On front page with me this morning is Rizal Zulkafli from uh, Awani Global. Good morning, Rizal. Good morning, Shaz. Hi. Hi. Okay, now, uh, good news for the self-employed. Self-employed workers will soon be getting better protection from any risk at the workplace following the government's move to enhance the Self-Employment Social Security Act and several related labor laws. Dun M said the protection would be extended to fishermen, farmers, smallholders, business operators, and those in the arts industry. Industry. Rizal, how much protection do self-employed workers have currently? I think very minimal to maybe none. And uh, these people will be very much affected if they suffer from injuries at work or if they get into a situation where they can't continue to do the work that they do because they don't get monthly salaries as employed um, workers do. And uh, this new protection uh, announced by the government for the self-employed individuals will be based on insurable earnings. They get free medical treatment and and if they pass away because of injuries when um, that happened during or at, at work, they are ben- their, their families will also be benefiting from this and they get uh, money for funeral. They also have access to education, loan and scholarships. So with this new announcement by the government to include more self-employed individuals, um, this will surely protect these um, individuals in case of injuries and will um, help their families uh, in case of death. Now, they probably have personal insurance, savings, and they may not have access to EPF or insurance uh, provided by companies. Okay, so Riza, how far away are we from achieving equal benefits for those in this sector? Of course, the self-employed individuals are far away from the a formal sector that has a larger, more benefit for its employees. But I think we should seek to achieve a close to equality as possible as they, to, uh, they, they contribute to the economy. And these are individuals who have small businesses and they employ other people as well. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look after them, they can also look after their employees and their families. So, so it contributes for, to the society being more productive and to the society being more stable uh, because this group of uh, individuals that depend on erratic uh, income as opposed to the employed individuals. So, so I think we should seek to protect them and we should look at ways we can further give them access to the things that uh, employed people get. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at um, the B40 group still in trouble after one year after May 9th uh, with Rizal Zukafli. That's up next here on Light. On front page this morning with me from Awani Global is Rizal Zukapli. B40 is still in trouble a year after May 9th, according to XMP Dr. Michael Jayakumar. He's questioned Putrajaya's initiatives to help the bottom 40 income group a year after Pakatan Harapan has taken over Barisan National. In terms of handling the problem of the bottom 50% of the population, he says they haven't done so well. He warned that PH had been voted in largely on the back of non-Malay support and not that much by the Malays who make up a large chunk of the B40 group. Rizal, do you think it's fair to say that the PH government has not uh, done much for the B40 considering the B40 was the huge focus in the budget? Well, the word much is subjective because the government did announce uh, Bantuan Sarahido, targeted fuel subsidy and also the uh, public transportation pass. But the targeted fuel subsidy is yet to be announced as to the mechanism, how they're going to uh, implement that. But according to a report after the, um, the budget was announced, maybe almost half the population will receive some sort of um, welfare 
uh, assistance uh, or assistance. Uh, and so we have to question that, whether that's good. Are we addressing the systemic issues, um, including wage increase, or opportunities, productivity? Um, and we're talking about the bottom half of the population, which uh, will be very much affected if there is uncertainties in the economy. On top of that, I think there were also people criticizing the government for taking away the fishermen and farmer uh, cash aid for the fishermen and farmers. This is around about 200 ringgit during the seasons where they can't they can't uh, go to work, mm-hmm. um, so to say. So. Um, we have to look at ways to address the systemic issues. I think recently, Kazana Research Institute announced that house prices has increased 9.1% per year per annum, but our salaries, the salaries of the bottom 40, the salaries of, uh, of the M40, um, have not increased as much. So that is a systemic issue that we have to address if we want to address, mm-hmm. look at the B40 as a whole and how the government can come in to help the B40 more moving forward. What do you feel should be the affordable housing threshold? I mean, I quote from the article, they talk about affordable housing, but for whom is 200,000 ringgit affordable? It's not the B40. Yeah, well, I did a rough calculation for the 200,000 ringgit house to be a, an affordable property. According to a calculation, the, the household has to earn 5,555 ringgit per month. This is, according to the median multiple mm. for affordable housing, around 3.0. We are at four to five times of um, median gross annual household income. So for, for household in Malaysia to be um, to have access to affordable housing, um, the affordable housing has to be around 108,000 ringgit. This is looking at the 3,000 ringgit household income for B40, um, in 2016, okay. so I don't, I, so I don't know how who, who this mm. uh, or for, for whom these houses are. If you if you're talking about uh, two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand ringgit, uh, and, and and even four hundred thousand ringgit. So so we have to really look at that. And I think many many um, institutes and uh, research um, have been done to address this, but um, we're still yet to see the the results from this from this um, research. All right. Well, coming up, uh, the new IGP is taking office today. We'll find out who he is, the man behind the shield. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Rizal Zukafli from Awani Global. Now, there will be a new man at the helm of the Royal Malaysian Police today when the current Inspector General of Police goes on compulsory retirement. Muhammad Fuzi Harun was appointed on September 4th, 2017. He's scheduled to retire today. And uh, to take his place is Abdul Hamid Bador, the Acting Deputy Inspector General of Police, who has been in this post since March 15th. Rizal, who is Abdul? Hamid Bador. Well, we know that in 2015 he was removed from his post and uh, transferred to the PM's department, but he refused uh, to clock in uh, at PM's departments uh, and he suggested that his transfer was to cover up the investigation of 1MDB. He will be very good for 2MDB's fight against corruption, so maybe this could be a reason why he was appointed. And, and he was also appointed to the 1MDB Special Investigation Task Force together with uh, Abdul Ghani Patel and other key people from MACC. Um, according to the New Straits Times, um, he is a very dedicated person, not the type to kowtow. Mm-hmm. He will voice out his opinions and fight for what he believes in. So I think this is a fresh IGP. Um, he will be very well suited for the country who's looking at a, a bigger fight against corruption. 
Wonderful. And um, his experience, what will he bring to the force besides, you know, good moral standing? Um, I think it, we can look at what he has said so far and we can make that as a base for how he will perform as an IGP. April 14, he called for the members of the uh, police force to be impartial towards any race or religion in their duties uh, and maybe we can probably have a better insight into what happened to Pastor Raymond Cole and Amri Chetmat who went missing in 2017-2016 and, and he, he said that you know, a special team was set up to investigate these allegations um, and he also said that these allegations had impacted the police force badly by, by the, the allegations by Suhakam in, in April so I think his key issues will be to maybe look into the allegations of what happened to um, Pastor Raymond Cole and Amri Chetmat, and 20, uh, which, who I'm missing in 2017 and 18. And I also believe that the fight against corruption will be his biggest crusade moving forward. Wonderful. Well, we definitely wish him all the very best. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> okay, well, coming up, Tun reminds choosy Malaysians, better low wage than no wage. <laughs> we'll be discussing <laughs> that next here on Light. On front page with me from Awani Global is Rizal Zokafli, the anchor. Now, better low wage than no wage. This is what Tuan Dr. Mother Muhammad has been reminding choosy Malaysians. He said uh, Malaysians should take up dirty, dangerous and difficult jobs rather than remain jobless. While admitting that the pay was low for these 3D jobs, he said that without work, one would not have an income. Yes, pay is low, but if you don't work, you have no income. Choose to work, then you will have income. <laughs> it seems so <laughs> simplistic right <laughs> of course he was commenting on foreign workers and uh, money going out of the country and all that but you know what uh, the issue is a lot deeper than this right Riza mm-hmm. what are yeah. your thoughts well I think they're choosy for many reasons first of all the cost of living transportation costs cost to survive and according to a research by Benadara the living wage for a single in KL is about 2,700 ringgit and this is to achieve a minimum Acceptable living standard, Asia, mm-hmm. and the average income for foreign workers would be probably around 1,006 ringgit to 1,400 ringgit. Whereas locals, employees have to pay 1,500 ringgit and 1,700 ringgit. So just looking at the numbers, we know which employees uh, would employees go to for, which is the foreign workers as opposed to local employees. And and when we look at the 3D employment or a 3D jobs, and these are low skill jobs. So maybe these locals, they want to do better than their parents and they want to aspire to earn more. And maybe, you know, the aspirations, maybe because with these aspirations, they can probably demand a bit more so that they can move up the employment ladder. And, and, and if, if we say that you, you should just take it as it is instead of questioning it, then, then it's a bit difficult for them to move up the ladder, for them to aspire to do better yeah. and to provide for their family. How vital is having unions uh, in this country? I think unions will help employers or employees to demand better working conditions, demand better pay, demand better benefits. But the question is, will employers be okay with this? Or will union lead to higher you know, costs for the employers? And then you know, it will just be a turn off for the employers to maybe support this. Because we've mm. seen how employees reacted to some um, unions and, and they're not very in favor of these unions because the, the, the unions will fight demand, for these, yeah. uh, demand, uh, demand and, and also will fight for these employees. So employers will say, oh, this will be could uh, increase the cost for production and which in turn will increase the cost for the end products when they reach the consumers. So, so I, I think we still have to look at 
ways we can provide better for the employees. If they provide better for the employees, then the issue of union will, will not have to exist. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at Facebook dating rolled out here, <laughs> not just in Singapore, but in Malaysia as well. Get Rizal's mm. thoughts on that next here on Light. On front page with me, Rizal Zukafli, anchor from Awani Global. Let's take a look at Facebook dating already rolled out in Singapore. Uh, we are included, Malaysia and uh, 14 other countries. Uh, Facebook wants to encourage long-lasting relationships instead of hookups and therefore have, you know, gone down this road. Um, <laughs> We've been talking about it in the last hour, uh, Rizal. Do you mm-hmm. feel that Facebook can succeed considering other more established dating apps out there? Against Tinder, against Match.com probably. I don't know. I don't really know the other dating apps, but um, Facebook has a larger, more active users, I guess, uh, 2.4 billion monthly active users in, in, in the last quarter of 2018. And probably this will enable people to access more profiles, a bigger dating pool, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I think people can look forward to putting those uh, waves and posts uh, to, to better use. Uh, <laughs> but it's very interesting I, I, because, because I think people post more stuff on Facebook as opposed to the other dating profiles, right? So, so you can read the, the news uh, stuff that they share. The, so you can, you can already make a judgment based on that. And, and I guess it will probably give people more things to talk about when they mm-hmm. look at their profiles. So the profiles are a bit more elaborate as opposed to the dating apps, right? So, yeah. so I guess, I guess it's, it's a bit more interesting as you get to know the people better. <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, Facebook is a business and they want to, you know, get your data and they want to advertise mm. to you. So mm. uh, how do you feel this will impact, I guess, your user experience? Well, but that's the thing. Because, because I think to go into a, a become a dating app, it, it's a bit more personal, right? Do you want to have this ad targeted towards you? Do you want to have all these other issues related to Facebook now also encroaching that part of your life? So in, into that part of your life. So I, I think it's, it's a choice that you have to be careful with. As with other uh, apps out there, Facebook is still working towards protecting your data and, and, and there's a lot of controversies around that, what data they can access to, what do they do with this data. So if you are seeing uh, Mr. or Mrs. XYZ, so, so, so don't you think this, this will also, uh, Facebook you know, mining for your data will also mine your dating behavior, mm-hmm. uh, the people that you like, the people that you prefer to, 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 to date or you hang out with. So, so I think it's just another part of your life that you you have to ask yourself whether you want Facebook to be part of that or not be part of that. So I think targeted ads um, during that stage of, of, of your relationship may not be very interesting. So I guess I guess I'm not I'm, I'm not going to go into that. So. <laughs> okay. Well, as a single guy, result does this not appeal to you? I, I think it'll be very interesting because I can beat as, as I said I can beat the person's profile and what they share, what they don't share, and how they behave on the internet. So I think that can give me an insight into the kind of person. Um, 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 she is but I don't really want to know that much early on and I prefer to maybe be the traditional guy and, and take her out to, to dinner and find it out for myself instead mm-hmm. of having it all a profile on, on Facebook well archived on Facebook so I think, right. I think it's just not that interesting to me, I guess. All right. Well, yeah. you know what? We got some insight on Rizal Zakafli. Right <laughs> Rizal, thank you so much for joining us this morning on uh, Front Page. Thank you, Chef. Thank you so much, Chef, for having All me. All right.